As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by co-host of The Herd and host of The Joy Taylor Show on Fox Sports Radio, Joy Taylor. Joy talks about absorbing the role you're in while building towards the future, the importance of forgiving yourself, how opportunities can improve for women in sports, and so, so much more. This episode is incredible, so let's get to it. Joy, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. I've been really excited about this episode. Thank you for having me. Well, let's jump right in. Uh, I am such an admirer of yours. We share a very close friend in MJ Acosta. So obviously, I always hear all the most wonderful things. So, so excited to talk about you and your journey. So if you could really start by taking us through your professional journey to this point. Well, I started in Miami, actually, with MJ at Mm -hmm. Barry University. I started at the, the radio station there. So I was studying broadcast journalism but I really always loved radio. And I grew up um, before podcasts and YouTube. um, So radio was, you know, kind of the original way to be a big personality Mm -hmm. and to have opinions and space to talk. Everyone sort of gravitated to television right away Uh, that I was around in my career. And I was really interested in the radio side of things because of those reasons. I really wanted to go into the opinion side of the business over reporting or being a traditional anchor. For me, it was just something that would allow me to express my personality. And at the time, that's what radio did uh, the most. That was the the main platform to be able to do that. So I started at the sports radio or the radio station, not the sports radio station, the radio station at Barry University and started interning at a sports radio station in Miami, 560 WQAM. Okay. And I also interned for Power 96 in Miami. So I was going to school. I'm familiar with Power 96 in Miami. I love that. <laughs> totally familiar with that. The DJ Laz Morning Show. <laughs> um, love that. So I was I did the, I was in school, I was working at the student radio station and interning at either 560 QAM or Power 96 while I was in college. And after college, um, I got my first job for first paid job because at that time, internships were not paid. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, a part-time radio producer, I think making like eight fifty an hour in that range, okay. uh, four, five, six CQAM where I had interned a few years before. And when I was there, I was doing everything. I mean, I was uh, freelancing, writing about high school sports and covering high school sports. I was covering youth sports with MJ. Also, I was, you know, hosting anything, any opportunity there was to host or do any kind of events I was doing. And I eventually got a job as an executive producer on the morning show at 790 The Ticket. And when our main host left from the morning show, I got the opportunity to be the co-host of that show and did that show for several years, the Zaslow and Joy show mornings in Miami on 790 The Ticket. Um, when I was there, I also worked for freelance many other places, but I also worked for CBSSports.com hosting uh, Fantasy Football Today and a few of their other shows there as well. And six years ago, I got the opportunity to come out to FS1 and, um, excuse me, and audition for FS1. And I was hired to come work for the network. And I have been at FS1 ever since. I, I didn't do anything when I originally came here. I, we hadn't launched the show yet. Um, so I was working for Fox Sports Radio, which I still work for now on the weekends. And then my first role with the network was with Skip and Shannon and Undisputed, where I worked for two years. And I have been with Colin on the herd for the last three years. Fantastic. That's such a, that's such a great journey. And I want to unpack a few things from it, just because you, you went through so many different places. And I think it's really important for our listeners to, to know that because sometimes we see people in your position and the idea is, Oh, she just, there she was, she just showed up there and you worked so hard to get to where you are. And you also wore a few different hats and got to learn so many parts of the business. And how has that helped you in your current role? Oh, it's helped me tremendously. When I was in college, my professors would always tell me that I need to write more. You got to write, you got to write, you got to write, 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 which, you know, none of us want to hear, right. <laughs> but they were correct. I don't want to say they were right. They were correct about writing. <laughs> they were that, right about writing. Yes. You have to be able to write. You write every day in your job, whether it's just as simple as articulating an email to putting together a show rundown to putting together a rant. Um, writing is just very crucial. And that is kind of the backbone of our industry, I believe. So that part was very huge for me. Being a producer really helped me understand everyone's role on a show. And to make a great show, I really believe you have to have excellent producers. Because while, you know, it's important to have good talent, you rely so much on your producers to get you the, just not just the information that you're looking for mid-show, the adjustments, making sure that the guests are ready, booking guests, um, keeping you up to date with breaking news that's happening during the show, making sure the graphics are good. Like there's just so much that goes into a show. And when you've been a producer, you understand that. So for example, if I have this idea and I'm like, Oh, I need this. I know my producer's not going to be like, poof, here's the answer. Like we have to give them a second to get that. <laughs> you know, you're more respectful of, uh, you know, the staff's time when you've been in that position, but also you understand how shows are put together and how they're made. And, um, so I've been, I've considered it really, uh, a great asset to me that I have had roles at every step 
um, in every level to understand how to put together a good show and to know, you know, who will do a good job at what, you know, what type of producer roles are open. Um, so I think for me, obviously, when you get in the business, especially a business like ours, it's very easy to get discouraged if you're not in the position that you want to be in because you don't feel like you're being able to shine the way that you, you want to shine. But I, I think it's important that while you're building towards and pushing towards and talking about the role that you want, that you're absorbing the experience in the role that you have, because you will use the skills that you are obtaining in your current position at your next step and within your next opportunity. And a lot of times, if you get an opportunity you're not ready for, then you can blow it because you weren't, you weren't absorbing the experience and getting the reps and really understanding what this level of the business, whatever level you're on, what that can do to enhance you in the future. That's so true. And it's funny because I used to work in politics and I held a couple cabinet level level positions with the mayor of DC, which is obviously very different than what I do today. But from the fangirl side of it and running the company, it's invaluable because I, I got to learn how to be a manager and how to balance a budget and work in a, in a budget in government. And that was invaluable experience so that when I started this company, it wasn't just like, well, wish me luck. Let's see how this goes. But I, I had that experience and in a, such a, I only bring it up because it's so different than what I'm doing today, but still the experience was really important. Yeah, it's very important. And you, you sometimes don't see it where you are, you know, what, what it is that you're learning or what it is that this particular step is supposed to be teaching you until you leave it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think I'm, I'm a climber. So I, <laughs> like, I, I'm always looking towards the future and I, I very often have to remind myself like, okay, we're working towards that. But remember there was a time when you were only like dreaming of what you're doing now. Like, mm -hmm. so you were so far away from this, not that long ago. So, you know, remember to appreciate all the time and effort that you put in and enjoy the experience that you've worked for while you're moving towards the next step. I like that. That's really good advice. The enjoying the experience is really actually good life advice. Generally, it's good career advice and definitely good life advice. So switching gears a little bit at now in your roles as, as co-host and host, how do they differ? How do you prepare differently for the shows? Maybe there is no difference in preparation, but I would just love to hear a little bit more, more about that. Well, okay. So for example, today I filled in for Colin because he had the day off. So when I, pre I would say the prep is different. The prep approach is different. So I picked the, sh the topics for Herdline and Colin, when he is hosting or when I'm hosting, pick the topics for the, the show. So you're prepping for more, depending on if you're hosting or in my role, co-hosting, or for example, for my show on Saturday, I'm, you know, prepping for each of those topics in a different way. So I would say prep is the main the main difference for the show. Cause I still, even if I'm, even if Colin's hosting, I'm aware of all the topics that we're covering, but it is a hyper-focus on whatever stories, obviously that I'm going to do in my segment. So there's just a, a different prep approach. Um, uh, you know, when you're hosting the show, you sort of lead the meeting. 
So, you know, you have to present where direction, the direction you want the show to go in, uh, what kind of, you know, uh, prep you want, like what kind of stats that you want, what kind of research that you want. If you want a certain, certain graphic, you've got to let, you know, the graphics team know to prepare that for the show. Those things don't just <laughs> pop up in the middle of the just show. Just magically they to, appear. <laughs> yeah. They have to be made ahead of time. Um, so there's, there's just a different, uh, I guess, leadership role. Cause I'm still prepping the same, still on the same call with Colin in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the radio show, it's different, obviously, because there's no graphics, there's no TV element. So it's more just uh, stacking the show in the order that I'd like it to go and topics and guests, obviously, as well. So the prep approach is just a little bit different. Very similar to to podcasting and uh, how you and how you prep for it without the graphics, but yes. it, it, is, is, it is very similar. It's actually funny, right out of college, I worked at the NFL on Fox and I bring that up because you say the graphics don't magically appear. And on many a Sunday, it was my job to do the Chiron, um, you know, T Brady, 10 of 12, whatever it was. And I always was thinking like, are we sure this should be my job? Are we sure this is a good idea? Uh, but, and it is funny though, but that's how that stuff gets done. And, and, there's someone who does everything. And I also want to bring that up because I want our listeners to understand that. And we have a lot of people listening to the show that are just getting into the industry that want to be in the industry. And I just think it's important to highlight all the different facets that go into it, all the different opportunities those bring. But to remember, things don't just magically appear. It is a lot of hard work and a lot of prep. And I'm glad you brought up preparation because that is, of course, one of the biggest things about what we do. Because if you're not prepared, well, then you just, that's where you end up blowing these opportunities. Yeah. I mean, prep, prep is not the, prep can be fun. Obviously watching games is prep. Yeah. Um, so, the, so prep can be fun. And then, you know, when you're doing a daily show, sometimes it can be a little monotonous. Obviously everything, you know, is takes time. But when you learn how to prep for you and everyone is very different, when you learn what's the best way to prep for you, then everything becomes much easier and you feel more comfortable. I I liken it to um, taking a test, right? Mm -hmm. When we were in school, if you prepare for the test, you're not nervous because you truly know the material you've taken the time you've studied, you've gone over your, you know, cards or however it is you would prepare for tests. If you cram, you don't feel good about it. You're rushing through it. You don't feel confidence. You're probably making mistakes and you don't do as well as you could have done. And essentially when you're doing a live show or you're doing a daily show or you're doing a podcast or a radio show or reporter, whatever it is, um, you're kind of taking a verbal exam. You know, it's not that everyone necessarily knows what you're supposed to say, but people know when you mess up. Always. So, and are happy to tell you. Yeah. So they are <laughs> lined up to tell you. And sometimes even when you're prepared, you mess up. So of course. it just, you know, it's just a matter of you're going to feel more comfortable if you are prepared. You know, the, the mess up thing to me, um, you're just going to mess up, you know, even through this conversation, there's been times where I'm like, I can't think of the word I want to use or whatever. It's normal throughout a conversation to not have everything that you're going to say lined up and perfect. It's the same as on air, but you'll do less of it and you won't freeze when you do mess up if you are prepared. Um, and that I think also just comes with repetition. Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, 
the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. It's funny, my friends will ask me if I'm doing a radio show or TV hit or whatever. They're like, are you nervous? I'm like, no, because this is what I do. Like, There's a reason I go to practice every day. There's a reason I'm doing interviews. There's a reason you know, I'm, I'm there all the time. So if I don't know, if there's a question someone asked me about the 49ers and I don't know it, well, then I'm really not good at my job. <laughs> so it's like, but I'm prepared. That's just my life is constant preparation for yeah. those things. And it does make a difference. And I just think that's, Another thing I want to highlight, because you can't be overprepared, because as you said, you're going to mess up anyways. We all are. We're human. It's definitely going to happen. But you want to know that you put yourself in the best position. to. Yeah, you do. And also, you know, even if you don't have the answer, you can very calmly and confidently say, I don't have the answer to that. But you'll know that you didn't have the answer to it because you didn't bother to look. It's just because maybe no one has the answer. To maybe that. no. Exactly. And that's totally fair. Like when I get asked all the time, when are the 49ers going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo? I'm like, well, I, I, if I knew the answer to that, right. I would be in a very different pay grade. Right. <laughs> very different situation. But exactly. I can tell you when I think they're going to do it. I can tell you what the holdup is. But I think that's a very good way to put it. And Yes, we're not all going to know everything, but knowing that you put yourself in the best position, I like how you, I like, I like how you said that a second ago. So let's talk a little bit about social media, because if, if you're cool with that, because that is a world that we as women and women in sports really have to deal with in a way that I just don't think anybody else can understand, unfortunately. And I know you are really vocal about it, and you're and you're amazing, and the way that you handle people is just truly incredible. And I, and I would love for you just to talk a little bit how you how you got there, how you choose to deal with it, and you know how you just let it roll off. And I'm sure you don't just let it roll off all the time because we're all human. But you know, I, I would just love for you to talk a little bit more about that. So I feel like I maybe had an early introduction to the social media trolls uh, because of radio. So if you've if you've done radio before, most stations. I don't know if they still have it because it's never been my favorite device, but you could text into radio stations for a long time. And uh, I would call it the text machine. So we had a screen up in the radio station during the show called for the text line. And it would just be like streams of nonsense, just this anonymous people saying the worst possible things you could ever imagine, probably even more vile than Twitter because you really don't know who these people are. So God, to think of anything more vile than Twitter is rather upsetting. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I wouldn't read it because I'm trying to host a four-hour talk show. I don't have time to read through this gibberish. And our program director would always be like, you guys need to read more text. And I'd be like, you come in here and read these damn texts. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not reading through this nonsense, nor am I trying to read through this crap to try and find one that can actually be read on air. So, you know, I would see it from time to time, but eventually it just like got assigned to one of our producers, like pick three actual sentences out of this that we could read a day and we'll, you know, put this on air. So I had sort of a, an early introduction. This was before Twitter became the like place that it is now, which can be a wonderful place. And it's one of my favorite places as a sports fan to be, because you can really enjoy live moments in a, in a very, you know, 
interesting community, mm-hmm. um, especially when big fun things are happening. Mm-hmm. Twitter can be an amazing place, but like anything, there is a yin and a yang, and the bad part of Twitter can be very dark. So, I mean, I I come from the school of if someone's not willing to say it to my face, I don't really take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't consider Twitter saying something to someone's face. It's definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and more than that, I, I if I wouldn't ask for your, if I wouldn't take your advice, I'm really not interested in your criticism. So there, there's, there are people, a lot of people that I actually take advice from, but I respect them. And if they were to give me critiques, I would respect those critiques at the same level that I would respect their advice. So that's the feedback that I'm interested in getting. Those people, uh, maybe on Twitter, but that's not where they're going to give me advice or feedback. (laughs) They're going to talk to me about it. So what I say all that to say, when someone says something awful to me on not just Twitter, on any social media platform, I have to take it with consideration that this is generally not a person who I really care what their opinion is. Like, I genuinely don't care. I don't think we're, we as humans are designed to get this much feedback, positive or negative. We're just not designed to every time we leave the house, essentially, well, let's, let's, you know, make the equivalent of that posting something on social media for everyone to tell us how amazing we are and how beautiful we are and how they would go across a thousand glass, broken glass windows to say our name. Like, that's not normal. And neither is it normal to hear all the horrible things that people say on social media. So all that being said, I'm on the meaner side of things (laughs) because it's just my, it's just my natural uh, bleep talking self to occasionally respond and, you know, put someone in their place. I understand that's not everyone's approach. And some people like to take the high road, which I respect. I'm not that person, but I I respect the people who are wired that way. Um, My advice to people who are just starting to experience this or, you know, are struggling with it. And I've had conversations with, with friends of mine in the business who are like, this is a lot for me. Like, how do you deal with it? Or what should I do? If it's too much, I think you have to establish how you're going to handle it early. And that doesn't mean you have to stick with that forever either. You can, you're always obligated to change anything that you want that affects your mental health or your emotional health, um, or just the time that you spend in the day. So you, you are allowed to adjust those rules for yourself. But I do think establishing how much input you can handle is very important because aside from like the mean things, like I said, you don't want to follow too much into like, oh, everyone thinks I'm great either mm-hmm. because it's just not real feedback. And that is a, that is a place that you have to find that's good for you. You don't want to live on the highs. You don't want to live on the lows when it comes to social media. So if it means you don't read anything, Skip Bayless is notorious for, he, you can go check his social media now. He doesn't follow anyone and he does not check his mentions. He does not care what you have to say because <laughs> he gets paid regardless and he's going to be on that show tomorrow. Yeah. So he is not interested in your tweets or whatever you're mad about. He has a nice life with Ernestine and their dog and he's not checking. He does not care. And he's one of the biggest names in the business. So, and you can imagine people say very mean things about Skip on the internet. (laughs) So, you know, he, that's just what he does. He does not, he does not check his mentions. Other people, Shannon sitting right across from him, 
very much does get involved with people on social media and fires back at people. So however you want to handle it, whatever makes you feel comfortable is how you should do it. I don't, obviously I fire back at people sometimes, not all day, every day. I have other stuff to do, but occasionally I will. If I'm seeing something that was posted of me, that's like mostly negative and it's all just people that listen, like would, would trip over themselves to walk across the street and be on the same sidewalk as me. I'm not like, I can't, I've got stuff to do. I'm very busy. Yes. <laughs> so, stuff yes. to do today. so I'm not going to sit there and argue with those people. If it's something that is a topic I really feel strongly about, then maybe I'll get involved with it, but it's all just depending on how much time I have, what I feel like doing. And if it's like genuinely worth the time for whatever the conversation is, but it can be a vortex and it can really affect your happiness if you don't establish boundaries for how you're going to approach it and how much you can absorb. But so the best advice I can give is to A, establish what you want to do with social media and B, just remember it's truly not real. Like we're all goddesses and amazing, but like this guy wouldn't walk across two miles of broken glass that was on fire just to say hello to you just because he says that. And also Wait, the guy that, he wouldn't? He would not. Liar. That liar. <laughs> he would not. And he's also not going to, you know, he the horrible things that you're like fat and ugly and, you know, look like a pig or whatever. Nobody thinks that either. So just, <laughs> just try to stay somewhere in the middle. I like the idea though, the boundaries, it's a really good, good way to put that and and really good when you're starting out because you have to like, we all have to be really honest with who we are and what we can handle and what works for our own health, happiness and mental health. And so if you know, right off the bat, this stuff's going to bother me, you turn off the mentions and that's it, you know, and I do like the Twitter has kind of changed it a little bit. Whereas you could tweet something, I could tweet something and only the people we follow can respond to that tweet. So then, you know, that's not foolproof, (laughs) you know, but that at least you, you have some sort of boundary, but I think that's a really important thing to figure out for yourself. And I think generally with social media, figuring out your boundaries and what works best for you is really important kind of all the way around in that crazy world. Yeah. And I mean, boundaries are important for anything in life and it's just, it's good to practice having boundaries. And, and the other thing is don't compare yourself to how other people do it. That's why Mm -hmm. I use the Skip and Shannon example, because, you know, they're two of the biggest names in the business and they handle social media completely differently. They both have huge followings and big platforms and one doesn't. And it's not because like he, would be affected by it. He's just genuinely like, why would I read that good or bad and Mm -hmm. let it affect me doing what I do, which is television. Why would I do that? Because this person doesn't do television. (laughs) That's giving me this advice, you know? So, and, and, you know, however elitist that sounds, the reality is you're in this business. People will tell you how to do your job all the time. Listen, honey, you could not do my job. (laughs) Exactly. No, you cannot. You could not do my job. I know you think you could do my job, but you could not do my job. So, and that's with all due respect, but like, I've been doing this a long time. So I don't need your advice on how to do my job. So that's just, that's the input that you don't need. Get advice from people that are in the business and do a good job at your job. That's who you should be worried about. Well, that transitions really nicely to my next question, which is 
what is a piece of constructive criticism that you received early? It could be early in your career. It could have been three weeks ago, but whatever it is that you actually found really helpful from someone you respect. Um, I've gotten a lot of advice. I think, well, one thing that really will make you feel better and will really take your your journey and and your brand to the next level is to really be authentically you. And as women, that's very difficult to do because there are so many stereotypes for what we are supposed to be. And the truth of the matter is the only way that you're going to break through in any business is by being what is uniquely you, because that's what you're best at. And especially in this business, you don't want to get caught into a place where you're playing a character or playing a role because then you always have to do that. And that's exhausting. It's like, it's like lying. Like you've just got to commit to this lie now Yes, <laughs> and there's no backing off and you got to remember, you know, what you said and all of that. Um, you know, we've all been caught in that scenario before. So, you know, to really don't shy away from what makes you authentically you. Um, preparation is obviously, a, I've, I've learned a lot just through observation and asking questions and getting, you know, tips on how to prepare for different things. Um, and then I think, I think the biggest thing as well is to, to always, uh, forgive yourself, you know, like the, the messing up, you know, like you're going to mess up, you're going to. So if you panic when you mess up, that's just going to make it worse. So just understand going in, it's like giving a big speech. If you want to nail every single word of this speech, you're going to be so nervous because you're just like, it's like so much pressure to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. The most the, the content that we're most drawn to now, just as humans, is authentic, raw content. Mm -hmm. Because I think naturally as people, we're like, I relate more to this than this polished version of this separate wife idea that is unachievable. So I think those three things to like, you know, how to prepare, to be prepared, you know, be forgiving of yourself when you mess up and to be authentic are, you know, some pieces of advice that I've gotten and have applied and it's really been very helpful. How have you seen opportunities grow and change for women in the industry? And where do you think we can still improve? I think it's changed a lot since I've started in the business. I mean, I, I started in the business, I started in the, at the, in the radio business interning in 2007. So, um, which doesn't feel that long ago, but it was a very long time ago. I still think 2007 was like a year ago. I know. I'm like, like it's not really 10 years ago. ago. No, it's not. I still do. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't that long ago. It was in 2009. My friends are like, yeah, that was kind of a while ago, but okay. Well, <laughs> to, to me, 1990 will always be 10 years ago. I totally agree with that. <laughs> totally agree with that. <laughs> it's not. So, um, <laughs> so funny. So 2007, um, I didn't have really a lot of women in the business to look up to, you know, there's obviously Robin Roberts, you know, uh, mm -hmm. there was, there was some women in the business that were do that have been doing it for a long time, but there wasn't a lot of visibility even for them and not a lot of, you know, airtime. I, I didn't really have any mentors. There were no women in sports radio in Miami when I started. So there was nobody I could go to for, you know, advice on the sports side, obviously in radio there were, but not on the sports side. 
So, you know, a lot of our mentors, the women around my age were men, which is fine. But like, you know, there's obviously a different experience there Mm -hmm. when you have women and especially, you know, black women to look to and and get advice for what you're going through. Um, So I think the business has changed a lot in that regard. And there's a lot more access to people. So, you know, you can reach out on social media and people will get back to you. You know, you can really ask questions. I think because there were so, there was not a lot of access and there was uh, so few of us now, I feel like women are much more accessible, more willing to reach back um, and, you know, give opportunities or advice or, you know, open up to, you know, the next generation, if you will, or other people who are trying to get into the business. So that's changed a lot. There are more opportunities, I think, for everyone in general, because there's just so many more platforms. You know, there was, it was really just radio, TV, or writing. If you wanted to get into the business, you really only could get into linear TV, radio, maybe some digital. You know, I worked at CBS Sports, Mm -hmm. um, you know, not too long ago, about seven years ago. But it wasn't what it is now. I mean, now you can do YouTube shows, you can do podcasts, you can do digital shows, you can do, you know, caffeine or Twitch. There's just, there's so many, and there's more, you know, networks. So there's just a lot more opportunities. There's even more sports being aired. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so there's more to cover. So um, I think that there's just more opportunities in general for everyone, which I think is great. Um, as far as the opportunities specifically for women, though, I do think we have a ways to go, obviously, with pay. And when you look at the top of the business, the people that make the most in our business are play-by-play and color analysts at the highest level. And those studio shows at the highest level. And opinion. Like When you look at the top of whatever any business is in the media, sports media side, those are the jobs that are going to get you into the millions in this business. There's not a lot of women, if any, in that space. Certainly not in the main play-by-play color analyst role. There's none at the top levels in any of those teams. There are very few on the weekend shows, the weekend big pregame shows for college or for the NFL, um, some for the NBA, some for baseball, but there's very few roles for women there at the desks. And then in the opinion space, you know, there's, there's just not, there are not a lot of women and they're not paid the same. So I think that's where there is still a major gap for the business is if we're really talking about making strides and being equal, that's the next step that I think has to close there is those, those big time opportunities where the, you know, groundbreaking checks are being written. I'm not seeing them go to a lot of women. So that is, that's the next step. I think that we have to achieve in the business. I could not agree with you more. Uh, Could you take us through a day in the life of Joy Taylor and you can pick what day it could be on the weekend when you're hosting your show, it could be when you're co-hosting, whatever, you know, with the herd, which is obviously also your show, but you know, whatever day you want it to be, it could be a combo, really whatever you want. I like everybody to pick a day that they like to share, but I think it's fun kind of to hear what everybody's days look like and how 
much goes into it and all of the things. Well, my day starts at 6 a.m. Okay. Our our call usually starts around 6 or 6.15 a.m. Okay. Are we doing, is this a weekday then? Yeah, we'll do, okay. uh, we'll do say tomorrow because we have game Great. six tomorrow night. Great. Um, so, so tomorrow is a Thursday, is a Thursday. for Thursday. us yeah. recording tomorrow is a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Thursday. Well, so let's say like any day during the week where there would be a game, like it could Perfect. be Thursday night football, whatever. Yeah. Um, so well, this will air on Thursday, so it works out great. <laughs> okay. <perfect. laughs> so we'll wake up, we'll do the conference call. Now, before COVID, we would all come into work okay. to do the meeting. But now, obviously, we want to limit the amount of people together. So mm-hmm. we do uh, most of the people, most of the producers and everyone on the call is remote other than the producers that are in the building. Okay. Um, with Colin, who would obviously lead the meeting. And so we'll go through the prep of the show, go over all the topics that we're going to do, um, whatever research we need, again, whatever graphics we need, things like that, where the guests stack the show. I get in around 7.30-ish to do hair and makeup, which is an hour. I will, I know I look like I woke up like this, but it's still a process. You look amazing. When you first, like, when you first got on, I was like, she looks incredible. Thank you. Uh, It is not my doing. (laughs) It is professional hair and makeup. They are union. They are excellent. (laughs) Um, So I will get hair and makeup done. I'll talk to my producer during my hair and makeup time and eat breakfast during hair and makeup time. So we try to get everything multitask always. Um, Then... I'll change and go up to the sets. We do the show, obviously three hours. Um, most days, like tomorrow, I'll be done once the show's over. We don't really have like post-show meetings or anything like that. If we do, it'll be a quick in the hallway, like, hey, what are we doing tomorrow? So-and-so's going to be on tomorrow. Cool. Like, let's go get lunch. It's not really like a big formal meeting. So um, I'll have like tomorrow, I'll have a few errands to run, obviously, uh, a couple meetings or calls throughout the day. That's generally normal for me. And, um, I actually have a big call on Thursday that's going to take up some of my time. So <laughs> things like that. Um, and then I'll usually eat lunch. If I'm lucky, I'll sneak in a little nap. I am definitely a napper. I know I'm like, I need to get better, like pushing through and just getting a cafecito or like a Celsius or something and just pushing Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. But I'm a napper. It's my self-care. I really like to like cut it down, just take a beat. I would also argue that the nap is probably a little healthier than an energy drink. And that's, I'm no doctor. I just feel like there's a chance that that's correct. Maybe. Um, but I also just really enjoy like turning my phone off for a second, mm-hmm. like relaxing. I can fall asleep for a nap almost instantly because okay. at this point I'm like very tired. So I just yeah. kind of like, I always sleep on my couch. I don't get into like, get into the bed and do the whole start the day over thing. Like just a little moments, you know, whatever I can squeeze in 20, 30, 40, whatever. Restart the day. And then I'll usually work out, um, reluctantly, but I will. And then I got to get ready for the game. So then I'll watch the game, uh, you know, tweet or, you know, if, I, if it's a really big game, I'll take some notes just on, you know, one or two things that, you know, I, I don't want to forget happen throughout the game. And yeah, then head on to bed or watch a little episode of a show if it's still early here in L.A. And then go to bed and get up and do it again on Friday. So, I love it. yeah, I'm a, I'm. 
I'm a pretty routine person. I like to kind of like park in the same parking spot, okay. eat the same thing for breakfast every day, get up at the same time. I kind of just do this, the, do the eliminate decisions throughout the day. Very like, I, I like the Steve Jobs model, the less energy and time I have to spend on things that don't matter, like what I'm eating for breakfast or where I'm parking or what I'm wearing, when I'm going to change anyway, and things like that so that I can spend as much creative energy on the show is my mentality. So I have a very hard hitting question for you, but what do you have for breakfast every day? (laughs) I really get to the heart of things. (laughs) (laughs) If I, if I have bananas, I will make a shake at home before I come. I'll make a protein shake. I have like this vegan protein. I'm not a vegan, but I like the protein. Um, Vegan protein, almond milk, uh, banana, almond butter and collagen um, powder. And then I'll mix that with some ice. Take that to work with me. If I don't make, if I don't have bananas, (laughs) then I will eat at work, which is egg whites, avocado, and um, turkey sausage. Delicious. Thank you. I Breakfast is one. I don't always eat breakfast, but when I do, I like to have variety. And so I like to know what people eat for breakfast, so it gives me inspiration. Breakfast is a big meal for me. I can't do anything without breakfast. Oh, see, there I you go. am like a mean person if I don't have breakfast in the morning. I, I How people skip breakfast, I have no idea. And I think it's because I the show is so long. Yeah. And I really don't like to eat during the show. I think, yes, I think it would be different. My thing is I have, and now everyone's going to be like, great, thanks, Tracy. But I have before, I work out in the morning and I have coffee with collagen powder and half and half in it. Half and half is like my vice that I just will not give up. And I feel like because that gets me to lunch, but sometimes it doesn't and I need to have breakfast. So now that shake I've committed to memory, egg whites, avocado and turkey sausage sounds amazing. So I feel like that's going to be a new thing for me. Look at all the things I've learned on this podcast. Yeah, the shake is the shake is pretty easy because the shake really only takes like three minutes to make. I have that little um, whatever it's called, like the ninja thing. Uh huh. So it's it really just it does not take a long time to make, and I am like a hungry person, and it will keep me full from breakfast until lunch, which I usually can't eat around until like twelve thirty. Okay. So you know it's a good it's a good start. Obviously, it's all your nutrients and such. But it also, you know, keeps me from being hungry. Colin, on the other hand, is like, he doesn't like to eat breakfast. He doesn't like to eat happy breakfast. He'll have like a green juice. And then he's just like a grazer. Like he just like snacks throughout the show. But I don't like, I'm like, I'm going to get my makeup messed up. Like I don't want to stuff in my teeth. <laughs> yeah. I'd be so worried about my teeth. Though I'd be like, Colin, Colin, do I have anything on my teeth? Like that would be me the whole time. I am like that. That's so why I'm like, I don't want to eat during the show. Um, and I just want to you know, feel good, feel full and, you know, work. I get it. And I love it. (laughs) This has been awesome. I I just have been so excited to have you on the show and been so excited to talk to you. And it was just, it was really everything I dreamed about more. So thank you so much. It's just been, it's been amazing. I can't let you go yet though, because we have to do five fun facts. And this is something I started with the 49ers players that we do and they get to share like five things about them that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise know. But on this show, we ask everyone the same five questions, which has been pretty cool because then we get to like, it's just amazing how different the answers are. Uh, Obviously, if there's a fun fact you want to share, you feel free to throw it out there. It doesn't, you know, we could have, it could be six of fun facts. There's no one 
you know, there's no five fun facts police, so we can make it <laughs> however we want it. But without further ado, five fun facts with Joy Taylor. Joy, what is your favorite moment in sports? Um, like that I've experienced or like my favorite memory? Either one. It can be either one. Uh... You know, there's a lot of like fun ones I could pick from. And my brother hates this story, but <laughs> it, it's just, it always pops into my mind. when I think of like the time that I felt most emotional watching sports. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, I want to say it was 2008 and the dolphins were two games away from losing every game of the season. And it was not a good time in the Taylor household. And I was like very nervous that they were going to lose every game. And I, I didn't want that to be, you know, a part of my brother's story. And he mm-hmm. certainly didn't want it to. And it was, it's just very hard when you're playing for an, a losing organization to go to work every day, especially when you're somebody who has the potential to do amazing things. So it's like the end of the game they have an opportunity to win it. I mean, they've been getting smoked all season. It's at home and it's Cleo Lemon to Greg Camarillo and they score the touchdown and win the game and the Dolphins don't go reverse undefeated. <laughs> 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 and I was just so emotional. Like I was crying like they won the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. it was just like such a relief that like, and it's feel, it sounds terrible because it's like they won one game all season, but like, it just mattered so much to me personally. And um, so I know it should be a more triumphant story, but like that always comes to mind. I like that story. And that story is like family and <laughs> love and hard work. I mean, it's just like actually a great pitch for a movie. <laughs> it combines family, football, Love, hard work, and tears. I mean, I think we could make this and it would be great. <laughs> what is your life motto? My life motto? Um, hmm. I've probably thrown a bunch out there, but I think um, focus your energy is, is something that has really taken me to the next level in my life, no matter what it is that I'm doing. I had someone give me some of the best life advice, the best life advice that I've ever gotten, um, at a real transitional moment in my early in my career. And I was just, you know, I was down bad and I was complaining and nothing could be fixed. And it was the end of the world. And they were like, why are, where are you focusing your energy? What are you doing? You know, how much of your energy are you putting towards making, what you want happen for you. And I was like, I don't know, like 10%. And they were like, well, why are you surprised that what you want is not happening for you? And maybe it was like when they gave me the advice or what was going on in my life or, or just made the way they said it made sense to me. But I really think that whatever you focus your energy on and specifically energy, because an energy is an all encompassing word. It's, you know, it's a word that kind of scares people because it feels really like crystals and moon and stuff, but it's really about, what are you applying yourself towards? We've all accomplished things in our life, whether it's, you know, becoming a mom or it's graduating from college or graduating from high school or getting a scholarship or, you know, whatever it is that you've done, starting a business. How did you do that? You know how to do it. You have to apply yourself. 
And I think when it comes to our dreams, we think if we just like peck at it a little every once in a while that we're doing something. And uh, it's a famous John Wooden quote, never mistake activity for achievement. So don't stay busy, stay focused. And I think that focusing your energy is something that I always circle back to when I am procrastinating or going through something is like, where is my energy going and, and figuring out what that is bringing to me. I love that. I really like also don't stay busy, stay focused. I think that's really fantastic advice. And it just, when it's said like that, it's so clear. You really, you know, that, at least for me that I really felt that that's great. What is your go-to workout? Um, right now it is at home Pilates. Oh, so I don't really like the big machine thing. I'm not mm-hmm. a great equipment person. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, there's just a lot going on here and strings and pulling and I'm not flexible. Um, but when I go to the gym, I'll do more. I also love boxing, but okay. I found myself when I'm like super busy and I have not gotten to my workout yet. And I'm like, all right, I want to watch another episode of Queer Eye instead of doing anything today. I will do my Pilates and watch Queer Eye, but I will I will multitask. So the the Pilates to me has been really good. It's obviously I don't have to do anything but put down a mat. And um it's been good. So that's my go-to workout right now. Love it. I'm a big Pilates fan too. Go-to coffee order? Skinny vanilla latte with almond milk. All right. Sounds delicious. And last but not least, a book every woman should read. Uh I think you should read The Alchemist. The Alchemist is a very, very famous book. It's one of the most famous books ever. And it's a great read. It's a great story. But it's also written in a way that when you get to the end of it, you're like, oh, this whole time you've been telling me something. And it's really about a lot of what we talked about today, uh, ironically, that... You know, we try so hard for things and we are a very aspirational society, at least here in the United States. And we have these grand plans and we're all capitalists and we're all just all the time running and clawing at things. And we don't rarely, well, we rarely take the time to appreciate where we are and appreciate what we've accomplished and appreciate the experiences and the friends and the moments And that's really what The Alchemist is about, is appreciating the journey of what it is you're doing rather than just focusing on the destination. And I'm very guilty of that. One moment that I definitely took a beat was Fox had the Super Bowl in Miami. I can't, the pandemic has been like 15 years. It was uh, the 2019 Uh, season, but the Super Bowl was 2020. It was our last hurrah. Yes, it was really our last surround. It was right before the apocalypse. And, um, you know, obviously we didn't see the impending doom. So we were just enjoying ourselves. Um, yes, and it was a great time. <laughs> it was a great time. And it was, you know, we had the Super Bowl. So we had the big sets and, you know, we all went for this and brought the show there. And I really, I went the weekend before early And I really told myself, like, I'm going to enjoy this experience. Like, I'm going to be present every day during the Super Bowl. Because the Super Bowl is a big deal in our business, obviously. It's massive. But 
when you're working it, it can kind of just be a whirlwind. And you don't really get a second to sit there and be like, wow, I'm at the Super Bowl. I'm covering the Super Bowl. I'm doing a show live from South Beach on this insane set, you know, doing for the Super Bowl, where I started my career, where, you know, I went to college. So I really wanted to soak in that experience at the highest level. And I'm really glad I did. And not just because of what happened, you know, almost immediately afterwards, but I just have such vivid memories of that whole week and everything that went on, good and bad, obviously the start of that week, um, unfortunately Kobe passed. So, you know, we went from being at a really high place of like getting to Miami and we're getting ready for the Super Bowl, and then to get the you know worst news possible that Kobe Bryant tragically passed. And then you go into the week, like I can just remember and kind of transport myself back there at any time because I wasn't just buzzing around and, you know, not experiencing it to its fullest. So I think there's moments in time in your life and your career where you just have to step back and allow yourself to be like, wow, I'm really doing this. Like I worked really hard for this. This is awesome. This is not where I'm going to be forever, but this experience is really cool and I earned it and I'm going to, I'm going to soak it in and allow myself to, to be proud of myself and like, enjoy this. So I think that's a book that will remind you no matter what it is that you're doing, what you know, business you're in or what are you doing with your life that you should just, you should enjoy life. Like this is what we're here for is to experience things. And the experience is really the, the prize. And it's funny you bring up that Super Bowl because that was the first Super Bowl I covered. I'd been to Super Bowls. I'd been to many of them. It's kind of networking out, but that was the first one I covered because the team I covered was in the Super Bowl. And, and I grew up a 49ers fan and now I'm a beat reporter. And it's obviously now a very different relationship to the team, but I woke up on Super Bowl Sunday, like thinking about it kind of gives me chills. And I was like, somewhere my 11 year old self is dying. <laughs> and that was cool. So it's funny you brought up that Super Bowl because I have like a similar feeling to it. I even got a little bit emotional there. So there you go. But I, yeah, I like no, that. It was, I was really emotional too, because I, I mean, I start, that's where I started, you know, mm -hmm. I, I was, was just a little squirt. It's like full circle, really full circle for you. And <laughs> it was a very incredible. full circle moment. Yeah. And, and I think that's really, that's what you, you know, want to be in this business for is for, you know, the, those incredible experiences and the opportunities to cover history and be at these incredible moments, you know, that we as kids, you know, grew up only imagining what it was like to, you know, smell that grass. Uh -huh. you know? <laughs> now, yeah. Here you are. So yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's important to, to take a second and soak those moments in. And it's really good, you know, life advice generally is to take those moments and be present, especially in the day and age in which we live, in which we are on our phones all the time. We can be connected to people all the time and something happens. Oh, this was amazing. I want to post it. But for ourselves to be able to take that moment and say, no, I also, I kind of want to remember it. And I don't want to remember it through a post. I want to remember it. Yeah. And so taking those moments, I think, I think are important. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, well, Joy, thank you so much for joining me. This was just amazing. And I know our listeners absolutely loved it. And they're going to show us they loved it by leaving a five-star review. That would be much appreciated, you guys. Uh, please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Joy, where can everybody find you? You can follow me at Joy Taylor Talks. And also, please follow the Joy Taylor Foundation as well. 
uh, at Joy T Foundation. Um, but I'm Joy Taylor Talks on Twitter and Instagram and uh, yeah. Oh, and TikTok. And TikTok. Oh, all of the things. Oh, I don't, I'll follow you on TikTok. I don't think I follow you on TikTok. <laughs> uh, you guys, we are brought to you by Bet Online. And with that, I will talk to everyone next week. Bye, all. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.